Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pop Culture University. The university where you learn everything that is going on in the world of pop culture and see what life lessons you can get from it for your own life. Doesn't that sound amazing? Educational, inspirational. What can make it better? Having the sexiest podcast host in the world whisper all of these incredible stories and illustrious pieces of news right into your ear. How lucky are you? If it is your first time here, thank you so much for coming. Take a seat in the classroom wherever you would like. Everyone is welcome here including the bisexuals, especially the bisexuals. If it is not your first time here, thank you so much for coming back. I love you. I stand you. I'm in your fandom. I but just bought all your merch. I, I have a poster of you on my wall. I'm obsessed with you. It is May 26, 2023. Do you hear the rumbling of Pride Month coming? You hear the stampede of queers approaching? Get all your homophobia out now before it's Pride and you can't do that. I've actually been counting down to this very specific day, May 26, for a very long time, for years and years why this specific day because i would always see it on posters i would always see it in press releases that this was the day that the little mermaid live action was finally going to come out and i've been getting teased by this film for years and years on the edge of my seat anticipating it and it seemed like something that was so dystopian far in the future of my life and the fact that i'm here and i'm still alive and still able to watch it i'm so thankful i made it to this point point. and yes i saw it tonight uh the night even before the premiere day so of course we need to talk about it today we need to talk about the reviews it's getting how if i truly think it's worth your time my honest rating and just everything the good the bad the ugly but mostly the good let's be honest and we got a lot of crazy tea that we must discuss today it's new music friday but this new music friday is actually insane because of the weird crazy collabs like i swear um max martin just put random singers names into a hat and pulled them out and said yeah they can collab so we need to talk about the good the bad the ugly of new music friday who is bopping who is flopping we must talk about the drama between taylor swift ice spice and maddie healy yeah that's a random ass combination and why people are calling taylor swift insidiously calculated for doing a collab with ice spice after her boyfriend maddie healy insulted her we need to discuss why the jonas brothers were feuding and if they're going to break up again leaving kevin jobless of course we need to discuss the kardashian season three premiere and if they are improving their pr or worsening it with everything that they revealed this episode and if this may be the final season of the kardashians because everyone's starting to hate them so there's a lot a lot of drama before we get into this episode make sure you rate this podcast five star on spotify leave a review screenshot yourself listening to it post it to your instagram story tag me i'll hit you up you already know the drill uh tell all your friends about it tell your milkman tell your dog tell the girl next door tell your amazon driver let them all know this is the best podcast in the world and they should enroll as a student just like you but in the meantime face forward pay attention because students pop culture university is in session 
your checks by the bounce. Karma is a fire in your house. And she bout to pop up unannounced. And she never leaving you alone. Watch her put your ops on the throne. Got you waving pretty white flags. Feeling for that cash. Thinking it'll save ya. Now you switching up your behavior. It's okay, baby. You ain't gotta worry. Karma never gets lazy. So I keep my head up, my bread up. I won't let up. Never. Promise that you'll never endeavor with none lesser. Ever, ever. I be dragging that wagon. Karma is a beauty. Winning that pageant. You guys, great news. I am no longer sick. Last episode, I was fully on my deathbed, going towards the light, making deals with God and like confessing all my sins because that's what religious people do. They just like sin their whole life. And then like a few days before they die, they're like, I oh, know, I'm sorry. I've loved Jesus this whole time. I was trying to secure my spot in heaven, but I'm no longer sick. I'm not dying. I had such a horrible flu or fever. Can I tell you something so fucked up? I went to a doctor's office just because I was being a good uncle. As you know, my sister just had a baby. I am now a gunkle, a gay uncle. I'm going to brainwash them into being allies. Like their first word is going to be yas. So I go to get a COVID test just to make sure if anyone goes around the baby, they weren't in contact with someone who had COVID. So I go to a doctor's office. I go into the little nurse's room. They take my test. They shove that Q-tip in the back of my nose. Not exactly what I would be like to touching the back of my throat. And then they're like, okay, go sit in the lobby while we wait for your results. I'm like, fine, pushy, but like, okay, how long does it take? I thought they had those rapid tests these days. Guess how long they make me sit there in a lobby with no reception so I can do no work. I can't do anything productive. I'm just staring at a wall and all these old farts who are in this lobby, like not really giving a fuck. This is kind of what they do anyway. They make me sit there for two hours waiting for these results. And after the two hours, I go up to the ladies at the desk their secretaries or something and i'm like hey can you just tell them to like tell me my test results because i know they're in so they go in the back tell the nurses they come out they're like okay so the nurses know your test results but they're not going to tell you until they call you back how precious and annoying of them oh but they're not telling you until you wait your turn get over yourself and tell me my damn results after being disrespectful as fuck and wasting two hours of my life you already know the results you don't have five seconds to spare to tell me yes or no to walk me back there say yes or no you've been booked solid every second since i've been in there that you don't have five seconds to tell me no you do have time no excuses and you're giving this hospital a bad name and you're absolutely disgraced so i just leave and i tell them upload my results to my my chart okay they still haven't so i still don't know i might have to go by a rapid test but i just felt so disrespected because i know they had time it's not if it's a yes they had time so why do they suck anyway i think i'm not sick anymore because i drank green tea i saw some hack someone was telling me oh whenever i'm sick i drink green tea and i feel better within a day or two i feel amazing i drink like a whole gallon i feel like i did the gallon challenge but i feel wonderful so maybe try it out the next time you're sick so i am alive feeling well um unfortunate news someone who is not alive Tina Turner died. Very, very sad. Tina Turner is a music legend having songs like, What's love got to do, got to do with it? Proud Mary, keep on burning. And we rolling, 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 rolling on a river. Legend in all definitions of the word. She was simply the best. A music icon. She died uh, yesterday at the age of 83. 
tragically after a long battle with intestinal cancer. Fuck cancer, man. That is awful. Terrible. So sad. Uh, rest in peace to one of the greatest music artists to ever live. Lots of artists were sending in their tributes, including Beyonce. Let me find her. Beyonce was very inspired by Tina. Beyonce said, My beloved queen, I love you endlessly. I'm so grateful for your inspiration and all the ways you have paved the way. You are strength and resilience. You are the epitome of power and passion. We are also fortunate to have witnessed your kindness and beautiful spirit that will remain forever. Thank you for all that you have done. Absolutely. One no crazy theory though. So anytime, allegedly, this is like a crazy conspiracy theory. I can make a whole TikTok about this. But anytime Beyonce embarks on a world tour, as she just started in the last three weeks, a legend in music dies. So in 2009, just as Beyonce was starting her I Am world tour, Michael Jackson died. In 2013, just as Beyonce was starting her Miss Carter world tour, Winnie Houston died. In 2016, as Beyonce was starting the Formation World Tour, Prince died. In 2018, while Beyonce was starting the On the Run 2 Tour, Aretha Franklin died. And now for her Renaissance Tour, Tina Turner died. Now, is that a coincidence? Or is Beyonce just laying bitches out like dominoes so every time she goes on tour, there could be one less legend and she's the only legend remaining? I hate to be corny with the Illuminati accusations, but she doesn't seem to be beating them. That is very suspicious she's almost the death note of sorts she is the high empress of the illuminati though who fucking knows madonna better watch out next time beyonce goes on tour she says i'm gonna be the only mononym bitch left still going to the renaissance tour i'm gonna dance my ass off hey if i can't beat the queen of the illuminati i have to join her so that's what i plan on doing so let's talk about new music friday this is one of the weirdest new music fridays i think we've ever had truly like a pull out your bingo card moment put two singers in a hat, pull out their names, and let's just see who is randomly pairing up. And I feel like today is just a day that really exposes the music industry for being more of a clout contest and not about talent. You know, as Nicki Minaj said, I wish these bitches wanted more talent and less clout. Because everyone's just pairing up with who has clout or who can get their project more views, who can get their new release more views, more streams, more money... So let's just get into it. Taylor Swift and Ice Spice have paired up for a remix of Karma. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me. Let me repeat it. Taylor Swift and Ice Spice, a.k.a. that chubby Chinese lady, the Inuit Spice Girl. That's what Maddie Healy said. Those are not my words. I would never say that. But Maddie Healy, Taylor's pretty much confirmed boyfriend. They were seen kissing the other day. They've been seen on dates together. He, right before they started dating, was saying some crazy shit about Ice Spice on a podcast. Or one of the podcasters was saying it, but he was agreeing. He was enjoying the conversation. Very much condoning it. Not being an upstander for Ice Spice. Yeah, that's what Ice Spice is like. Yeah. She's a very attractive woman yeah. that released one song and basically... So you slide in your DMs, you're like, yeah. so what are you, a fucking Eskimo? Or yeah, something? yeah. <laughs> Just this chubby Chinese lady. <laughs> Yeah, that's messy. That's not good. And the fact that Taylor already has to put out fires for him. I'm not fully convinced that this was just PR and Taylor's team is working harder than the devil to make sure her image stays good. I do think Taylor was hinting that she likes Ice Spice even prior to Maddie Healy's comments or her dating him. But it definitely is beneficial 
for Taylor to collab with Ice Spice and be like, hey, just because I am associated with this arguably trash man doesn't mean we share the same opinion. So yeah, she's getting some good press from this. Do I think that was the main reason for her doing it? No. However, other people are not convinced. And I hate that this narrative is beginning again, that Taylor Swift is some calculated, evil, tactical, no-soul pop star that just wants to be liked by everyone and will play a game of chess to constantly be three steps ahead and never get in trouble. People think everything she does comes across as so insincere and a desperate attempt to stay in good graces and always be Miss America. So I saw a viral tweet right after this collab was announced and someone said, the kind of white woman y'all should be afraid of because this is insidiously calculated. And that had 81,000 likes. Insidiously calculated? Holy shit. I think that is way too fucking far, you guys. She isn't the grand witch of darkness, always doing something evil, as if she's just using poor little Ice Spice with all the power that she has by being this supreme pop star with the ability to do anything she wants, use anyone she wants, and she's this perfect little white woman that's a character that people like to play her out to be and you know she must stay on top so that's why she's using ice spice just to cover up patches of a problem that her boyfriend made for her i don't think that's the case let's be real everyone wants to use ice spice right now everyone as we will see as we continue with new music friday it's a mutual cloud exchange as well it's not like ice spice is not getting a shit ton by this ice spice isn't being held hostage by Taylor to like with a gun up to her back to fix her PR. Like Taylor isn't holding a knife to Ice Spice's fat ass and being like, now rap on this song, you fucking ginger, or I'll end you like I ended Katy Perry. That's what people literally think is happening. It's a mutual clout exchange and it's just a way for Taylor also to incentivize people to go buy her new re-release. Because who knows why she's re-releasing Midnight's, but she just is. She maybe wants more attention on the new album right now and not her re-releases. Or she wants to build up hype for the Eras tour, make more money off of her album. Either way, this is a strategy we see a lot of people doing. Adding more remixes, different versions, uh, more songs to a deluxe version, and then relaunching the album in that way. This is like a normal thing. It's not some evil move. And Taylor's one step ahead of you bitches. One step ahead of you trolls out there. Because she just went on some sort of radio interview and was talking about how her collab with Ice Spice came to be. And I bet you she was one step ahead of the insidiously calculated accusations because she explained that Ice Spice is actually the one that reached out to do this. Not Taylor randomly reaching out to hit up brand new artist Ice Spice because she needs some good PR. So this is what Taylor said. And I quote, Collaborating with Ice Spice was one of the most natural things. She reached out through her team, just kind of saying, Hey, you know, Ice has been a big fan of Taylor since she was a little kid and would love to collaborate if that was ever something that came about. And I had been listening to her nonstop, like getting ready for my tour. I was just listening to Ice Spice constantly. So I hit her up and I said, hey, would you like to do your version of Karma? Do you relate to this? 
and she jumped in head first. Getting to know her has been so special because I'm blown away by her. Because in my opinion, she is the one to watch. Just watching her work, her work ethic and how thoughtfully she approaches her career. She's like my new favorite artist and I'm so honored that she's on my song. So Taylor nipped the accusations in the butt with that so quickly. And then I saw more comments like, wow, she's so, she's so sadistic. She's so evil and masterfully calculated as if she's a grand chest wizard. Now, do I really think Taylor Swift thinks Ice Spice is the one to watch right now? Maybe. Do do, do I really think she's like her favorite new artist? Probably not. But she is definitely the one with the buzz right now. And everyone loves an ingenue, especially an ingenue with a fat ass and a cute face. Uh, Her verse on the Karma song. It's okay. It's fine. It's not horrible. I it's it's like it's Ice Spice is amazing. I'm just saying the combination of the two. This is definitely just a chart pleaser. This isn't like a, we we genuinely think you'll love this. This is a, hey, stream this for a week. Forget it ever exists after that. So we can jump the charts and get those accolades and get that money from our label. That's what they want. And sometimes I don't like that because it makes me as a consumer feel like the music industry thinks I am dumb. And like I'm being patronized into them spoon feeding. No, no, no. Force feeding these collabs down our throat as if i will actually enjoy them they're they're not that good i love ice spice but this is just another one of those chart topping moments but ice spice is really like officially coronated as the princess of music because the co-signed by taylor swift and Nicki minaj and now she's going to be featured on the barbie soundtrack are you kidding me now this barbie soundtrack that just got released today is like a coachella lineup but like a pride fest lineup it's a big day for gay people because of the wild lineup for the barbie soundtrack this like there's gonna be a bunch of summer bops and it's gonna be epic so here's the lineup Nicki minaj and ice spice are doing another collab and they're going to sample agua's barbie girl and it's gonna be called barbie world are you fucking kidding me are like that's gay history that's history in the making that sounds like the ingredients that made the powerpuff girls Agua, Nicki Minaj, and Ice Spice for the Barbie soundtrack? That's Sugar Spice and everything nice. Gay people are going to have a full body orgasm when that comes out. And I'm so excited. And they're really smart for getting Nicki Minaj on the soundtrack because her whole brand is being Barbie. And Barb's would have boycotted the movie if they didn't do that. So now every Barb is going to go see it. And that's why this lineup is so smart. So let me get to it. Lizzo is on there. Dua Lipa, Charlie XCX, Ava Max. Dominic Fike, the kid Leroy. I'm sorry. I don't know why Dominic Fike is on there. He does not scream Barbie to me. He was actually the worst concert I've ever been to. The kid Leroy. I forgot about him after that stay songs, you know, good for, good for him. This is like a nice little placement, a nice check. He can cash forever just from being on the soundtrack. Khalid. Sure. I I could see Khalid adding some fun vibes to this. He has some, Amazing vocals, great songs. Pink Panthers, Gail. Gail, I feel like we're also being force-fed. Like, have, have you seen that meme of, of, of a girl on her knees and her friend is, like, forcibly opening her mouth wide and pouring a gallon of milk down her throat? I feel like that's how Gail is being shoved down my throat, and I'm not sure it's going to happen. 50-50 is on there. The girls who sing. 
A hopeless romantic all my life, surrounded by couples all the time. I guess I should take it as a sign. Oh, why, oh, why, oh, why, oh, why? Super viral on TikTok, Carol G. And then lastly, Ryan Gosling. I, I don't like Ryan Gosling as Ken. Still, he does not look like Ken to me. And I don't mean to be ageist, but why does Margot Robbie have to be the most perfect version of Barbie when he is not the most perfect version of Ken? I'm sorry. I just said it. And now he's singing too. Like, will will this ever stop? Will Ryan Gosling ever wave the white flag? Maybe he can wave his white hair and that could be the equivalent, but... So really everyone is on the soundtrack. They were like, you will hear this soundtrack and you will go and see the movie. No matter what language you speak, no matter what country you're from, no matter if you're straight or gay, you are going to see this soundtrack. So the marketing is really there for it. Um, Dua, Dua Lipa's song for the movie was already released. I didn't love it. That was like the lead single. It felt like an underwhelming and less potent future nostalgia B-side track. It had like the disco beat and the synchronized claps. But it just felt like a copy and paste right off the album. We we And we love Future Nostalgia, but years later, we need at least like a 10% differentiation. And this could have been literally midway through that album. I'm very excited for the Barbie movie, though, out July 21st. I want to go to the premiere and dress like Ken. That'd be so fun. Could be a slut at the premiere. <coughs> Girl... Okay, let's talk about the Jonas Brothers. Have I ever talked about them on here? I don't, I don't know. I probably talked about Nick because he's the Jonas Brother of my choice. I don't blame you if he's not the Jonas Brother of your choice. But he's mine. Uh, as I was like dabbling with being gay in my like young teens, I would always look at thirst traps of Nick Jonas. He's so gorgeous. Anyway, so they just came out with an album last week. And guess what the title of the album was called? Hold on. Let me just make sure what I'm about to say is right because it's that unbelievable. Let me just type it in. Oh my God. So their album title is called, quote, and I quote, it's called The Album. Their album is called The Album. That just shows how uncreative and non-revolutionary white, straight, cisgendered males need to be in this industry to, to still exist something shocking and revolutionary about this album though is that kevin was actually standing in the middle wow kevin in the middle of a jonas brothers album does he have blackmail over the other two and he wanted his moment truly never thought i would see that good for kevin i actually really used to love kevin's reality show with his wife because i've watched every reality show to ever exist i really enjoyed it anyway they debuted at number three with 52 albums fifty-two thousand albums sold not 52 uh -huh. 52,000 albums sold wait did kelly clarkson's new album come out because remember when in the song year 3000 they sing everyone bought our seventh album it had outsold kelly clarkson well guess what this is their seventh album and K kelly clarkson is releasing an album soon when does it come june 23rd okay 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 okay. so if kelly clarkson outsells fifty-two thousand albums in the first week the prophecy won't come true 
let's start the hashtag no one by chemistry by kelly clarkson <laughs> kelly clarkson's over party uh boycott chemistry by kelly clarkson party we need to do it we just need to make that prophecy a real thing but that's so wild like did they not anticipate one day releasing their seventh album within a thousand years like are they making us wait as long as rihanna for the seventh album they should have known they'd release it before the year 3000 anyway 52,000 albums sold the first week lover by taylor swift is selling more still this week than their new one is so bless their hearts they really tried and lover is like four years old at this point so speaking of taylor and the jonas brothers do you like my transition there joe jonas was just on the armchair expert podcast that's where straight men go to feel safe to reveal anything they want to about their personal lives talk shit about their wives or any relationship that they've ever been in or talk shit about their kids and their families that's really the den of secureness for straight men armchair expert that podcast go listen to it at your own will and he was asked about taylor swift and if he likes the swifties if he still likes taylor and he said i'm cool with taylor we're cool when it comes to the swifties though he said i hope they like me because you know no one's no one fucks with the swifties you know and it's unfortunate because the Swifties, the Swifties, I wouldn't say love him. They slightly dislike him, but they also slightly like him at the same time. It's like a love-hate. They slightly dislike him because he broke up with Taylor Swift over the phone in 25 seconds when she was 18, which is so embarrassing. That's some record time shit. That's Olympic gold medal breaking up right there. How does that conversation even go? Hey, girl, um, unfortunately, I just no longer really give a shit about you. Someone should do a challenge where they try to give the best breakup they can in 25 seconds. And then Taylor Swift went on the Ellen show right after that happened. And she said, when I find that person that is right for me, he'll be wonderful. And when I look at that person, I'm not even going to be able to remember the boy who broke up with me over the phone in 25 seconds when I was 18. (laughs) She's crazy. She's always been giving men shit and putting them in their place. And we love her for that. Then she wrote Mr. Perfectly Fine about him, which is a anthem that I like to scream cry. A lot of Swifties really like to. And it's very relatable when someone just so easily breaks up with you and then they go on with their life and seem totally happy and normal because they think they're better off without you and they're better than you. They're Mr. Perfectly Fine and you're dying on the floor. I love that song. So that's why we'll always kind of hate Nick Jonas. I mean, sorry, we'll always kind of hate Joe Jonas just a little bit. But we will like him now because they've made up and they were just teenagers and it's, you know, a childhood versus adult situation. And they're cool with each other. Taylor, like, sends his kids gifts on their birthday or whatever. So they're cool. So I guess we can be too. But the Jonas Brothers actually had beef a while ago because Nick Jonas got the judging spot on the voice over Joe Jonas. And he was depressed about that because he wanted to be a judge on the voice. That's such a petty feud to have with your brother. And that's why these brothers are always breaking up, getting back together. Cause the pettiest person you always know is a man. So these three straight men divas are probably always getting into little tiffs like this. 
but Joe was describing his reaction when he found out that they were both going up for the role and Nick got it over him. He said, he's like recounting the scene as if it's really traumatic and burned into his memory. Quote, and I quote, it was at the most picturesque setting. It was on the Fleetwood Mac show at Madison Square Garden. And as they were playing Landslide, I found out that he was going to be a judge on The Voice, and I was so jealous that I cried my eyes out. I'm super happy for him, but I'm also bummed because I wanted that fucking gig. Wow. During Landslide 2, I can picture him like three beers in, in the pit, in his feelings. He gets a text from Nick that says like, yet again, your shorter and younger brother is better than you, and I'm getting $20 million to host or to judge on the voice and you're not. And I can just picture him like wailing, crying, screaming the lyrics to landslide. Like I took my love and I took it down, climbed the mountain and I turned around. I'm getting older. Children get older. I really do understand because you get paid such an insane amount of money to be a judge on the voice sorry i had to think about what they really do because all they do is have annoying banter that appeals to middle america in the cornfields karens and boomer dad's sense of humors i really don't like that show and i don't think anyone should get paid a single dollar for that show but they really get paid an insane amount of money like tens of millions of dollars so i'd be pissed too i'd be crying over that too I would be kicking, screaming, having a tantrum. So Kevin was on the podcast too, and he pointed out that Joe had previously served as a judge on the Australian version of The Voice for one season in 2018. So Kevin thinks that Joe should have been the coach as well. Now, they're both just jealous of Nick's success, obviously. And then Joe explained himself, and he said, quote, and I quote, I just enjoyed the job. So I was like, what the fuck? But he crushed it, and you know what? It was great. I was definitely so happy that it's happening for one of us, but I wish it had happened for the three of us. Well, unless you can all fit in that chair, I'm not sure it can happen for the three of you. But Blake Shelton was just brought out to pasture and put down on the voice set. He's no longer going to be a coach on there. So maybe it can happen for them next time. There's more spots opening up. But I think we can learn from Joe Jonas because he handled that rejection very well. I feel like I always preach like, being happy for people when they succeed because um, that good energy and celebration of people's accomplishments, especially people who are close to you, will only bring you up. And when people close to you succeed, that's a major win for you as well because that person can inspire you. That person can help you in the future be a contact for you and network for you. So always be the most excited when people near you succeed because first of all, you should be happy for them. Second of all, it can literally help you. So I, I feel like he handled it well in that way, still being happy for Nick, but also allowing himself to feel sad and um, understand the complex emotions of w- wishing he got something, but being happy that someone else very close to him got it, even though it wasn't him. And I like that he's teaching us that both of those emotions can exist at the same time. And that doesn't mean you're a bad person just because you're crying and you know you wish you got it deep inside. You wish it was you and not them. It just means you were having a human moment. You were passionate about something that did not work out, but you're still very, very happy for someone else and you want to give them good energy because you know they deserve it. And you don't always have to compare yourself to the person who you were uh, up against the 
part or the job or the relationship or whatever against you it's not always a competition between you two it's really just an internal competition and you can still be sad when you feel like you haven't done the job and gotten the part but very happy for someone else because they were just the better fit Oh my goodness, you guys, I have an exciting life update. I was approved for an apartment in LA, so I will be moving there very soon. Super, super happy, super excited, very thankful too. I wasn't sure if I would get approved quickly. Uh, I'm not even sure I should be sharing this news right now because they haven't sent me the lease yet to sign, but they sent me like the lease terms and I signed that, but I haven't signed the lease, like the official lease. oh my god my throat is so fucking dry from talking to this mic by myself but i'm not putting water by my macbook anymore because i broke my last one holy shit like it is dry as your grandma's cooch in there right now anyway so i got approved and i'm very thankful because i was not sure i get approved alone i was actually going to have my dad as a co-signer at first and then after me applying with a co-signer uh we had to send them a bunch of extra bank statements and tax returns blah 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 and they told me that i actually don't need a co-signer because of my credentials and everything so i felt like a bad bitch in that sense i'm the solo signer and yeah i might be jumping the gun on telling you guys this but it's just fun news to share and to talk about and if it doesn't go through i guess that's fine i'll just keep looking and trying but it's a really cool place and great location I don't love when people are like, it's my dream apartment. It's the only one I want. If I don't get it, I'm going to KMS. Like, it's not my dream apartment. It's a nice place. But like, we're talking about dream apartment. It's it's like in LA. It's not amazing. It's kind of shabby. LA is not like the most beautiful, glamorous place. Like people think it's actually quite worn down and like drab. Unless you're in the hills, basically. But if you're on the ground with the peasants, it's it's like any other suburb not it's just not very perfect as you would think but i'm still very thankful and excited and whatever happens i will definitely update you guys but i just like sharing news to uh put it put out the good air put it out into the energy of the world manifest it so i will update you for sure um i'll be amongst the kardashians finally that's where i belong it's my natural habitat i think we can all agree being near my similar species of legendary divas like the kardashians but anyway let's just talk about the kardashians so they just started their brand new season and throughout the past year people have wondered is their time over have they ruined their own careers their own pr Have they made too many mistakes that we can no longer forgive them for? Is the jig up? Is the circus and the facade of this family finally been pulled the curtain over and we see them for who they truly are? And this season has had more weight and pressure on them ever. 
They were definitely in Kris Jenner crisis meetings to repair their image this year. That's why the season was delayed for so long, like months and months. Chris called it the year from hell in the preview. And I truly believe that they've been through a lot this year and their whole livelihood was threatened. So we're going to kind of follow this season, not every single week, but we're going to pretty closely follow the season and we're going to see if they follow my PR advice that I gave them a few weeks ago or maybe like a few months ago. But I made a TikTok about this and I talked about my podcast, but I gave them like 10 critiques on bad PR moves they did and then like five or six tips. I believe it was six tips on how they can come back from their really sticky situation. And my TikTok did super good. It was like seven minutes long too. Such a long post on that app and it still had over a million views and Bethany Frankel said I was really smart and that I understood that it wasn't just PR, it was sociology and I did it well. And I was like, wow, Bethany Frankel said I'm smart so I'm officially smart. <laughs> so let's just refresh what my advice was really quickly. So my number one was they need to address the toxic body standards that they've been setting because they made a lot of really bad moves with that in the last few years. And I think they plan on succeeding with that this season because in the preview, Kylie said, we need to have a deeper discussion about the body standards that we're setting for people or the beauty standards, she said. And that was totally out of left field because why after 20 years are you now deciding to have that conversation? Like the damage is done, girl. What made you have this epiphany? I bet you that was a stage scene that Chris was like, you're all going to sit in a room and Kylie's going to have an epiphany that she should have never inflated her lips like a pufferfish. <laughs> and she's going to say she regretted getting anything done. And that's what Kylie said in the preview. She's like, I wished I never touched my face. I want to set a better example for my daughter. And just to make it clear, I love plastic surgery. I think it's a great tool and mechanism and I don't shame them, but I do think it's toxic when they overdo it or are not honest about it. I think that's toxic. So I think they plan on succeeding with that this season. And I'm really curious to see. Number two, they definitely need to be more open about how they are so skinny and why they don't celebrate curvy bodies anymore because they built their whole brand on representing curvier women. And that's why a lot of women were open to giving them a chance. They were receptive to them because they weren't the stick thin image at the time of the mid two thousands. And they wanted some representation. Number three is they need to build their family's everything brand back up because Courtney was not talking to the family for so long. All, all the men in the family left and that was like their foundation being like families, everything. We always have each other. And it doesn't seem like that anymore. Four is they need to be more genuine and actually show everything. Those are their two mottos that they say at the end of every episode. Like we're just really genuine. We, we like to show everything. They just need to give us a reason to actually want to watch. And season two and season one of this Hulu show, they didn't. We don't want a 45 minute commercial. We want to see the inside of these extraordinary lives and the, uh, like the back like what happens backstage of these PR headlines. You know, all we get is the quick headline, but we want to see what went into that, what happened behind the scenes. We want to see everything. So give us a reason to watch. Number five is that they stop need they need to stop being so insanely unaware, insular, and indifferent to world issues. They need to show that they care about the state of the, of the world and that their viewers and consumers that actually live in that world they need to show that they care about them you know they've made a lot of mistakes recently about like flexing 
during a global climate change and a recession with their private jets and going to a private island during COVID. So they need to put their money where their mouth is and be advocates. And, you know, if you're going to be this rich and successful, at least make us feel proud that we helped get you there. That was my number five. Number six is they can still be unrelatable, but they have to be more relatable. If that makes sense, because I would always say that Kardashians are really good to be because they're so unrelatable, but so relatable at the same time. So they can still be unrelatable, but we need them to be a little bit more relatable, if that makes sense. I hope I said that right. You know what I'm saying? Like they've girl bossed too close to the sun. They played the fame game too well. And now they live a life of the top 2% of billionaires. And Gen Z doesn't like to see that. We want to eat the billionaires. So did they succeed in doing any of this in the first episode? They failed at a lot of it. Let's just say that. They still came across as out-of-touch billionaires. Let's just say that. They came across as maximalist, cartoony, supervillain rich people in this first episode. So they failed at that. Kendall had like an 818 launch party in the season premiere. And the random charades and soulless party gimmicks they would have to entertain these rich people at this launch party were insane they had a guy that had a jetpack on like like i don't even know how to describe it he had these machines that would attach to his feet and his back like jetpacks on his feet and his back that were was flying him around the air and they just watched him fly around the air and then he landed on the ground and handed Kendall the first bottle of 818 tequila. Like, what was that? What the fuck? They didn't need all that. And it's like, why? It's giving greenhouse gases. Too many of them. Then they had a robot making the drinks. But the gag is they had one robot but they had four people operating the robot. So why couldn't the four people just make the drinks faster than the one robot? The robot was cool. But it's like, bro, who are you entertaining? There's a bunch of old men here who probably like work behind the scenes at the business, blah, blah, blah. But I don't really think they give a shit. They're just happy to see the Kardashians there in their tight outfits. They just don't need all the over-the-top charades and the gimmicks. And it just made them look not the best. Second, they failed at building up their family is everything brand in this episode because I feel like they tried to fix it for a second by making it seem like Courtney likes Chloe again because for a while, Courtney was keeping her distance from Kim and Chloe and not talking to them anymore, even outside the show. But then there was a moment in the episode where Courtney was like, we don't know how to be there for each other during hard times. We only know how to celebrate together and be there for each other in a superficial way. Like, why would you admit that on the show if you're trying to rebuild this family brand of yours? It did not look good for them. Third, they failed at the giving us a good reason to watch the show part. Because, oh my God. Midway through the episode, prime real estate on the 45 minutes smack dab in the middle we had to sit through and watch kendall jenner teach kylie jenner how to drive a stick shift car for like 10 minutes 
And there wasn't even funny dialogue throughout this whole bit. It was just kind of like, don't crash the car, Kylie. Ah. And Kylie like, okay, I'll try. Ah. Ah. That segment could have just been a YouTube video. And I feel like they just filled their quota for filming time because Kendall and Kylie are like never on the show. But they did succeed in a few moments. They succeeded in showing us some of the real scandals that we want to see. And that includes Kim finally opening up about the Kanye West drama that was going on last year. Because in season two, we got none of that. Nothing. We only got like 30 seconds of her and P and then 10 seconds of her being like, yeah, there's a lot going on with Kanye right now. Besides that, we got nothing. And I felt really gypped and teased as a viewer because they're teasing us with these headlines and social media fights all year long, kind of to get us hyped for their show because we're going to get to see the behind the scenes and then we never see any of it. That just pissed me off. Like, how are you not going to mention Kanye even though he was beheading your boyfriend in music videos and stalking you by buying the house across the street and dating women who are literally your clones? Why do we get nothing? I guess now we know why. Because in this episode, she opened up about why she has guilt about talking about Kanye. And this is some real shit. So Kim said, and I quote, I spent my whole morning having an anxiety attack. I felt like I just couldn't breathe all day. You know, when you're just on the verge of tears, that's how I felt all day. This was a scene with her and Chris just sitting around talking. And this happened, this episode was being filmed in August last year. So this is when texts were being leaked via Kanye, (laughs) like against their will, where he was saying like, Chris is going to pimp out my children and make them do Playboy and uh, tapes, if you know what I mean. And Chris Jong-un will never get a hand of my children and all this and all that. Uh, A social media post that happened that same week is when Kanye said, don't let Chris make you do Playboy like she made Kylie and Kim. Hollywood is a giant brothel. Pornography destroyed my family and I deal with an addiction. Instagram promotes it. Not going to let it happen to Northie and Chicago. And then (laughs) he would post screenshots of text with Kim. And one he leaked said, this is what Kim sent to him from my mom. Please tell him to please stop mentioning my name. I'm almost 67 years old and I don't always feel great. And this stresses me to no end. (laughs) And Kanye responds with y'all don't have no say over my black children and where they go to school. They will not do Playboy and sex tapes. Tell your Clinton friends to come get me. I'm here. And then he said, I was driven crazy before. I'm not going crazy no more. It's not up to Calabasas or Hulu where my kids go to school. I'm not the crazy one here. It's up. I won't stop until I have a say so on my kids, no matter where it legally takes. Wow. So clearly Kim was going through a lot. And this is what she was saying while she was talking about going through this at the time. Even through all of the craziness of everything that Kanye has said about us, I never comment, I never post. He's made up the most insane narrative about you, talking to Chris, about the tape, and we stay silent. We stay silent through all the lies. And then in a confessional, Kim said that Kanye will occasionally ask for approval over what she says about him on the show. But then she says, 
you just talked about me in this song, this song, this interview, and didn't ask my permission. I never say anything bad. I never say anything negative. If I say I'm exhausted, I feel guilty about that. I am fucking exhausted. And by the way, I'm the one where shit could be going down and I get in the car every day and the kids want to blast dad's music and I'm like, he's the best. I put it on and we're singing along. But inside I'm dying because I will be his biggest cheerleader to them forever. And one day when they can see this for themselves, I'll answer whatever they want me to. It's a lot. And the one that was supposed to protect me and still does interviews saying he will be my forever protector is the one hurting me the most. For once, can everyone just get their shit together around me so I can lose it just once? I just want to lose it once. I want to have a bad day. And I can't, like, I can't even be overwhelmed and have a bad day because no one else has their shit together. You're under a lot of stress, Kim, and I don't even think you realize the weight of the world is on your shoulders. I just feel bad, you know, and I don't know why I feel bad. And it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't want to be a part of this narrative. And it's like, when is this ever going to end? Like, it never will. And I'm stuck with this for the rest of my life. First of all, you can't control somebody else's behavior. You have to look at the history of this. You were there for him for so many years. And then you finally decided that you couldn't take it anymore. It wasn't in the best interest of you or your children. You got a divorce. You did the only thing you could do. I think that I would be, I don't know. I don't want to talk about this anymore. Let's talk about something else. All of his shenanigans, I don't even know what the fuck to call it. It's going to be far more damaging to the kids one day than my tape will ever be. I agree. I agree, Kim. But yeah, that's a major drum. And I love that Kim was saying drum in the episode. She kept like using that phrase and I love saying drum. So that's some major drum. And first of all, who's going to damage the kids more? It's not a fun competition. And some people were saying that they don't agree that Kanye's comments will damage the kids more because Saint already saw an advertisement for Kim's sex tape on Roblox and he's six years old. To those people, I say you're fucked up. And how can you draw the line on anti-Semitism or like how, how can you excuse Kanye talking about anti-Semitism and saying he's a Nazi and uh, resorting to violence and being crazy, but you draw the line at a consensual sex tape that was accidentally leaked. It's just wild. It's wild to me. And isn't Kanye the one addicted to P-O-R-N and was literally called a sex offender by people he used to work at Adidas with because he would unconsensually show them porn and tell them that he wants to make shoes that turns him on like this porn does? Hmm. And also, isn't he the one who makes music videos with butt-naked celebrities? with their ass and tits out as wax figures without their consent. Hmm. Interesting, Kanye. Kim also addressed the rumors uh, that Kanye made up about her cheating on him with Drake. She said, the one that was supposed to protect me and still does an interview saying he'll be my forever protector is the one hurting me the most. He was the one starting a rumor that said I was hooking up with Drake, having an affair during our whole marriage. He accused me of that publicly. I really can't wrap my head around the fact that he thinks he is a protector. So she's saying those rumors were not true. Um, 
yeah, I never thought those rumors were true. I just know Kanye was really butthurt and he felt like his ego was shrunken because Drake alluded at it once, but it was completely a joke that anyone could tell was not real and just to get under Kanye's skin. And it really did so bad that he started to accuse his own wife of it. So I'm glad that this is all coming out right now. And that's really the main drama you missed. I feel like this season has potential to be good and start to repair their image. You know, and if the PR, if, if the Chris Jenner PR boot camp works as it normally does, I think they can turn things around. I'd say this episode is off to a pretty weak start, though, except for the fact that we got let in a little bit more. So what can we learn from this whole segment? From the Kim and Kanye situation, I think we can learn that you don't have to give respect to anyone who does not give you the same or who does not deserve it. You know what I'm saying? I feel like you only have to respect someone's boundaries if they respect yours. And things like keeping them protected, keeping them um, safe, well, they are not doing anything like that for you you're totally entitled to go back on that clear your own name um and defend yourself by crossing what, whatever boundary you have to because some people just do not deserve respect if they cannot give you that same respect and to not feel guilt about that because i feel like some people are genuinely such good people that they will go above and beyond to protect people who would never do the same for them or respect people who don't even give them an ounce or a penny of respect. So I feel like retraining yourself to who deserves it and who doesn't is very important. And then second of all, I think we can learn the concept of, <clears throat> um, I guess like a bit of hypocrisy here, just being the example that you want to set and not worrying about the example that other people are, are setting. If you're not even doing that yourself, like I feel like a lot of people will criticize people for how they live their lives in 10,000 different ways. So many examples I could throw out about how people live their daily lives, but they'll be doing the exact same thing or something worse. So I think what we can learn is just be the example you want to set and don't worry about anyone else. Just lead by example, especially if it comes to parenting or, you know, someone looks up to you, just be an example for them and don't worry about what other people are doing because you can't control them. You can't control your actions, but you can control the example that you set for them. And yeah, Kanye wants his kids to be um, more, you know, conservative and not do sex tapes and playboys and all that shit. Of course, I don't think they will. But if, if he's out there doing everything that he says they shouldn't do, can he really blame Kim for it or is he just projecting? you guys i finally saw the little mermaid and it was the most magical experience of my life i literally dressed up like prince eric for it I had on cute pearls and a shirt that had a color pattern that matches Prince Eric. I went with my bestie, Rania, and we just had the best time of life. It was... Oh, 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 okay, okay. So the, quest, the big question is, is seeing The Little Mermaid worth your time? 
Yes, nothing is more worth your time. It is so good. Go see it immediately. Drop everything now. Go to a local theater. You have to see it in the big screen. I saw an IMAX 3D and it was so magical. It, like you just need to see it on a big jumbo screen. Splurge for the IMAX. See it in 3D. So amazing. So right now it has a 68% review on Rotten Tomatoes. That's not the best. It's still good. Like that's not rotten. But I don't think that's certified fresh either. But it has a 95% audience score. So audiences are really enjoying it, but the critics are not. And I feel like that's honestly a good sign of Rotten Tomatoes. When the critics just find something to nitpick to feel good about themselves because they just can't let themselves be happy. But the audience loves it. That's always a sign of a good movie to me. And that's when I know I'm in for a treat. Let me read some of the negative things they have to say, though. <coughs> they said, Marshall's movie does enough well that it's almost tempting to forgive the project for its more apparent flaws. Adding 50 minutes of new material to the 1989 Disney classic, the live-action remake still feels like a pale imitation, exchanging stylistic animation for uncanny CGI and poorly shot musical numbers. Halle Bailey is an amazing force to behold, but everything else lacks her passion and innovation, foregoing any sort of compelling reason to watch. It's better than most of these Disney cash grabs and worth seeing to witness the emergence of Halle Bailey as a new star. Well, that one's good. This one says, Unfortunately for director Rob Marshall, most of the script and score modifications in his and Disney's live-action animated remake of The Little Mermaid don't do better than its predecessor. Examining all of his choices can make you question what the director was even going for. Examined in full, it raises the bleaker question of why this movie exists in the first place. Damn. The critics all just seem to be compiling with the notion that the original is much better and that this remake should not have happened. So here are some of the changes that they didn't like and why I think it doesn't matter and I think it's still good. <laughs> so they were saying that the live action aspect of it, seeing these sea creatures in real life, seeing Ariel in real life was not needed and it was actually bad. It was almost unsettling to see. And I will agree with them a little bit because Flounder, that fish, that little fish Flounder was ugly. He was scaring me the whole time. They're not going to be able to sell any merch for him because no one's going to want to buy a stuffed animal of that fish because he was just not cute. Um... I feel like when I was younger, I would always see flounder stuffed animals and flounder everything, flounder merchandise everywhere, but they're definitely not going to be able to do that with this flounder. Or for Sebastian, because he really just looked like a legit crab with all its scary anatomy. And I did not love seeing that. But I still think the live action was much better because seeing this story play out in a live form was so surreal and exciting and it made it it made the stakes seem higher it made it seem so crazy and enthralling like you saw a, a legit like half mermaid half person jumping through the ocean and a real shipwreck and her like grow actual legs and it, ju it just made the whole journey and adventure that ariel went on seems so much more dramatic if, if that makes sense like you're not seeing it play out in almost a comedic animated way this was like real life and it just made the stakes seem so high 
Like, wow, she's really doing this. She really just saved him from a fiery ship. And now they're in a storm in the ocean. And now they're on a castle on the sand. And these are like real people who are getting married and crying and doing this. And wow, Ariel obviously is probably feels displaced because her friends are these ugly sea creatures who she doesn't want to be with. It makes it much better and real, in my opinion. People were also saying it looked really dark and not colorful because you can't be creative with the colors and the animation. It was not dark. It was extremely colorful. It was extremely exciting. During the the musical number um, Under the Sea, darling, it's better. Down wet, it's wetter. Take it from me. I wanted to dance so hard. I wanted to get up and shake my ass with everyone in the theater because it was that exciting. And it was so fun to see how they made all the sea creatures dance in real life. And it, it made it more fun because in the animation you have these seahorses like playing saxophones and these fish playing harps and playing instruments. Obviously, they weren't doing that in the live action because they don't have those things in the sea. But they were making them dance in, in synchronized ways. And it was just cute. Me and my friend were like, we feel like we're inside an aquarium seeing these animals do these like real actions and seeing them actually dance. Like, it was just so cute and funny seeing these animals just and it, it just made the whole thing so much more lively and like special seeing it played out as if you were really in the ocean. But all this m- magical things were going on that you wouldn't know unless you're like a member of the sea creature society like that uh, like humans wouldn't see. I don't know how to explain it, but it was just so fun seeing the the real life creatures dance. I, I don't know why. It was just so fun. Um, people. So there's three new songs and people were saying that the three new songs are so bad and they don't add anything. They're not even sonically pleasing. They don't go with the other original songs. I don't think they're better than the original songs. So I guess I agree a bit, but I do think they add more depth to each character that gets another song because this is a bit of a spoiler, but just something vague. If, if you've seen the or- original, you're fine. But when Ariel loses her voice, they give her an extra song that she sings internally in her head. And I think that's fun because you get her internal dialogue and in the movie, in the original animation, you don't. And then Prince Eric gets a new song about how much he loves Ariel and that adds more depth to him. And it makes him seem just as crazy and just as adventurous as Ariel and almost like delusional for love as Ariel because he's like going and sailing in the ocean trying to find her. And it just makes his lust for her seem much more powerful. So I think it adds a lot for him. There is a song by Scuttle the Bird that Aquafina sings that I just think is horrible. And this person who reviewed it said it was oral terrorism because it was that bad to the ears and i can't disagree but i did like the scuttle character so speaking about their romance people said that this movie had a less romantic vibe like they didn't sell the romance enough i completely disagree even though ariel couldn't even talk when she was on land hallie bailey just sold her so well i was like wow they're deeply in love and they're not even speaking they've actually never spoke and i can tell how deeply in love they are just by looking at each other like I, I i remember almost like falling in love with them myself as if i was in this thruple with them i could see their crazy chemistry through the screen 
I whispered to my friend at one point and I was like, damn, I can tell he likes her so much. <laughs> they really sold it. And I think Hallie played the naive but curious but also delusional teenage girl so well. Like the stakes felt higher seeing it in real life. Her leaving the ocean and literally becoming a different species for a guy she just met. <laughs> and she's just like me. Like I legit flew across the country for a guy I only met in person a few times on Grinder. So me and her are so much alike. And she really played the character so well. Like, she's such a star in not only the singing, but also the acting. It's huge star quality. So I don't get that complaint. Someone said it, there was too many changes to the movie to make it, like, more woke. So let me just show you some examples. They changed some of the lyrics in a few of the songs. In Poor Unfortunate Souls, they changed Ursula, Ursula's lyric about how men don't really like women who speak anyway. They just want someone who uses body language and sits still, look pretty. They cut that lyric out because, you know, that's not going along with the feminist movement these days. I didn't mind it being cut out. People were like, but that makes Ariel agreeing to the spell seem so much less realistic because Ursula isn't convincing her as much. And I guess I agree with that. Like, I was kind of like, why would Ariel agree to lose her voice? But maybe if I did see Ursula explain, like, you'll be able to use your body language to fall in, to make him fall in love with you. Maybe I would be on board more, but not enough. Like, it would still seem really unrealistic to me. So I don't think it takes away that much. They take away a lyric in Kiss the Girl by Sebastian because the lyric says, like, no, no need to ask her, just kiss her. So obviously that's a red flag for consent. I think that was the necessary takeaway. <laughs> and then the ending was a bit different. So maybe this is like a slight spoiler, but not really. If you don't want to hear the ending, skip the next 60 seconds. But the original ending of the movie is that Ariel is permanently a human because her father turns her into one. He loves her and wants her to be happy. But in the new one, Ariel is not permanently a human. She can switch back between mermaid and human at her own will. Or well, at her father's will. But she'll do so like every so often to go visit her friends in the sea and, and blah, blah, blah. And it just makes it seem more progressive because she's not giving up her whole life as a mermaid for a man. She's still maintaining her life as a mermaid as well. And I think that's a perfect ending that actually makes it seem like it's still a really romantic movie. But it's also now another layer about just a girl who wanted to fulfill her purpose and her lifelong dream of becoming a human and living out her her fantasy because her infatuation with humans was always more than just Eric. She was always collecting human objects in her shrine. So I actually think it patches up some plot holes in a really effective way. Like, now she gets a guy and she gets to fulfill her purpose and her dream. And it's not all about him. And I love it. I feel like this whole movie has so many amazing additions. So much more in depth. And it has this new theme of not being afraid of someone who is different or other than you. Because the humans were afraid of the mermaids. The mermaids were afraid of the humans. But then they brought them all together. And that was a big theme throughout this. It was less focused on the romance, more focused on 
Eric and Ariel as individuals and what they go through as their communities tell them to be afraid of the opposer. And I think that can reflect real life because Halle Bailey is the first, um, well, first as if there's been a ton, but she's a black woman playing Ariel and people were so against that, so afraid that the integrity of the character would be ruined. But that's not true at all. And people should not be afraid of that. It should bring everyone together and they can celebrate the character in the movie and not really care. And they shouldn't, but they do. So I think this movie was so good. A million out of ten. Only made the original better, in my opinion, except for the fact that Flounder and Sebastian are ugly as fuck and scary. All right, you guys. Well, thank you for joining me on today's episode. My mouth was so dry during this. I'm about to go chug water. But um, let's give out the superlatives for today's class. So America's favorite celebrity this week, I'm going to go with Halle Bailey because this is her week to shine. I'm sure I'll be talking about The Little Mermaid more, but this was her time to shine. And the movie was so perfect, so amazing. And I hope everyone celebrates her this week. Public Enemy number one. We're going to give this to Kanye West because he's nasty and a gaslighter. And I'm glad Kim is exposing him. And he's just like always public enemy number one. Most likely to be canceled next, still Taylor Swift. She's still walking that tightrope. And I think it's actually gotten worse since last episode where she was also the most likely to be canceled next. So she's still in that hot seat. The messy bitch that lives for the drama. Mm. I have to remember like what I said this whole episode. Let's give that to... We'll give it to Kim Kardashian because she really is exposing Kanye, who is the father of her children, and not giving a fuck. And I like the bomb she dropped by saying, my sex tape will negatively affect the kids even close to what everything you're saying will affect them. So perfect. So amazing. Secret villain of the week? Not Taylor Swift. But everyone thinks it is. Everyone thinks she's this evil calculated person but she's not so the recipient of the secret villain of the week award is not taylor swift all right well thank you for joining i need to go drink water so i need to wrap this up but i hope you have an amazing weekend um i'm gonna try not to be too g too dehydrated at the club and get kicked out again i always get dms of, of people like i live in chicago let me come to the club with you let's let's hang out i'm down to do like a, a meetup with the podcast listeners I'm down to do all of that 100%. So if that, yeah, that would interest you, let me know. DM me. We can put something together. Or in LA, when I'm there, I would love to meet you guys in person, my amazing students. So definitely let me know with that. But until then, uh, screenshot yourself, listen to this, post it to your Instagram story and tag me. And then we can really discuss, um, review the podcast five star, sub to my Snapchat show, Unfiltered Pop, Unfiltered Pop, Unfiltered Pop. Check it out. Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Petty Pop Culture. Y'all are the best students ever. Have a safe and blessed weekend. And I'll see you Tuesday. Okay, bye. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple. Spotify, YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts, go Astros.